I was talking earlier about the, the chorus that we've been learning with Charlene, going back to the heart of worship. And the author of that, that uh, song wrote it after he kind of getting lost in the worship wars of the 90s. The contemporary folks on this group and the only organ and piano folks on this group. and He kind of got lost in that and he felt under convention because he said, Lord, worship is more than music and praise is more than song. So yeah, so, so are you coming back to the heart of what it means to be a Christian? So we talk, As we talked about in uh, Sunday school this morning, Quakerism, what it is, what it was never intended more, it was never intended to be more than just a rebirth of primitive Christianity. So that's what early friends had in mind. They didn't, they didn't think they would create a new sect. They didn't want to create a new sect, a new domination. They just wanted to return to the old ways and revive the church. Today we talk a little bit about that, and I guess a certain aspect anyway. We're talking about desperate today. Have you ever been desperate? Uh-oh, okay, I must be. What's wrong with me? Okay, is that how that works? <laughs> All right. Now you guys know why the IT guy at Seaside Clinical has my name on the uh, on his phone a lot because I call him a lot. Desperate. Have you ever been desperate? You know why I think American Christianity struggles so much? Why it's harder to be a believer? in America more than it is anywhere else in the world. And I'm talking about, I'm including countries where if you're a believer, you die. But it's the, the hardest country to be a believer is America, where we have all these freedoms. I wonder why that is. Could it be because we have everything we need? When Jesus said, uh, when he told his disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer, and he says, they ask for their daily bread. Says, uh, give, this, give us this day our daily bread. They were being literal. He was preaching to people that didn't know where their bread would come from from day to day. Poor people. And that's what was so radical about the gospel. Was that God loves the poor people as much as he does the folks that have things and wealth and privilege and money. And that's why the poor people were always flocking to Jesus. Not to get money, but to get acceptance, to get forgiveness, to be recognized as a person. And he did that. And he does that particularly well in a passage we're going to read from, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 12. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So you know the story. There was a leper. In the Gospels, there's a lot of lepers in the Gospels. Leprosy was a, a, a 
an uncurable skin condition. Uh, today it's called Hansen's, to di Hansen's disease. And the reality about leprosy is unless you have a gene in your body that predisposes you to get leprosy, you're not going to get it. Okay? You have, to, you have to be genetically predisposed to get leprosy. However, 2,000 years ago, they didn't know that. And so when leprosy would affect somebody and their body parts started falling off, the town would declare them what? Unclean. And they couldn't be around their family. And they couldn't be in the town and they couldn't work and they, because they couldn't be around people. So they had to live outside of the community. And when they went into the community, for whatever reason, they had to always be yelling, unclean, unclean, so that nobody would touch them and be made ceremonially unclean by accident. Can you imagine that? Never having human touch ever again. Never being accepted ever again. Being treated as a cast out forever. Imagine that. So this is how, this is where we find ourselves with this particular leper that goes to Jesus. He's desperate. Verse, verse 12, while he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. And he saw Jesus face down and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus, Jesus touched him and said, I am willing to be made clean or be made well. Jesus touched him. Did you get that part? He had a disease where it was illegal. to You couldn't touch a leper. He'd get thrown in Caiaphas' prison if you touched a leper. Because you couldn't go to the temple. You couldn't do anything. If you, you was against the law to be to touch somebody that was unclean. Because that would make you unclean. And then you'd have to go to the temple and you'd have to give sacrifices and it was a whole thing. It lasted a week. But Jesus touched this person. Have you ever been that desperate? This person was desperate. He didn't care that he'd get thrown in jail for, for touching a, a person that wasn't affected. He just went because he heard this this prophet was healing people and he'd already spent all of his money all the hucksters and, 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 and the snakes the, the snake oil salesmen they took all of his money he was desperate have you ever been desperate because I find this desperate people tend to get what they need and they don't care what they look like and they don't care what people think of them Desperate. Another, another example from the Gospels, a lady with an issue of blood. Same deal. Her disease, they didn't know much of it back then. They didn't know what to call it. That's why it's, it's labeled an issue of blood, but we know what it was. She had a hemorrhage. She kept bleeding. She couldn't stop it. And because of that, she was cast out of her town. 
away from her family, couldn't go to the temple. No, no believe me. First century Palestine, uh, Palestine. If you're a first century Palestinian and they tell you you can't go to the temple, what are they telling you? That you can't, you can't, you can't be with God. That God, that God doesn't want you there. You're unclean. You're not good enough. Only people that have it together go to church, right? That's not changed in 2,000 years, has it? Desperate. So the lady with the hemorrhage, she sees Jesus and she crawls under the crowd. He crawls under his feet. And she says to herself, if I can just touch the garment of his clothes, I can be made whole. What she was referencing was a... An, uh, Kind of an ancient scripture in Isaiah where it says that the Messiah will have healing in his wings. That word they use for wings is, is tzitzit, which means kind of the, bra- the, the, the end of their garment on their, their prayer shawl. So she goes to grab his, his wing, expecting to be made whole because the scripture says that the Messiah will have that power. So what makes this story so incredible, not only did the woman risk her life touching people, because again, if you're unclean, you couldn't touch people. She's so desperate, she doesn't care about the law, she doesn't care about what other people think. And she gets healing. Have you ever been desperate? I'm not talking about, I mean, I don't think anybody in this church has been Desperate, desperate. But we get desperate at different levels for different things. I don't think anybody here is worried about eating today. Uh, That's the desperate I usually deal with. But you could be desperate over a relationship that's dying and you don't know how to fix it. You could be desperate that you're, you're working 40 hours a week at a job you hate and you're miserable and you know you'd be doing something else but you don't know what. What are, you de- what, what, what are you searching for? If you're desperate, what are you desperate for? I didn't know, uh, and I'm, I'm like everybody else here, I suppose. I, I was raised middle class. I, uh, I didn't really see suffering hand to hand. Firsthand, like I do, like I do on a daily basis, because of my job. But before I became a social worker, I was, I was pretty, I was, I was sheltered. I'd never seen desperate before. The people that followed Jesus were desperate. They were rejected by the world. For several reasons. And they hung out with the one guy that accept, accepted them. So it's no wonder why thousands of the scripture says that countless numbers of people followed him. Why? Because he gave them hope. Because he didn't turn desperate people away. And he says this in, in the Gospel of Luke. He says, Who here would, if their son asked for a fish, would give them? A stone. 
Or if they ask for a a loaf loaf of bread, would give them a snake. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so is your heavenly Father willing to give give good things to those that ask? And he says in Matthew, he says, "You, you, you don't have because you don't ask. So Luke makes it abundantly clear that we can ask God that when we're desperate, we can go out and we can be healed and, we, and, and our circumstances can get better. Maybe that's why the church was so effective 2,000 years ago and it's not really effective now. How many people come to our still friends because they know it's the one place they'll be welcomed where they won't be judged? How many people haven't come to our still friends because they didn't drive a nice enough car or maybe they had too many tattoos or they didn't have anything nice to wear for Sunday? We turn away desperate people all the time. It's human nature. What made Jesus special is that he never did because he was God. And what makes the God of the Old Testament so different from the other gods? Exodus chapter 1, he tells, what does he tell Moses? He says, not chapter 1, Exodus, I think it's chapter 3. He says, I've heard the cry of my people. And then, later on in Exodus, when, when he's brought the, the, Egypt, the Israelites out of Egypt and they're on Mount Sinai and they're receiving the law, what does he say? He says, do not be like Egypt. He says, do not sell in weapons of war. Because Egypt does that. Don't Don't buy and sell slaves because Egypt does that. Don't forget the widow. Don't forget the orphan. Don't forget the hungry. Be an advocate for the voiceless because Egypt doesn't do that and you're going to be different because you're my people because you share my name. And guess what? How did Solomon build the temple? He used slave labor to do it. Solomon used slaves to build the temple. And that's how the author tells us that Israel lost its compass after David died. So they start dealing and they start trafficking in slaves. They start using weapons. They start selling chariots to Egypt. They start making alliances with bigger nations. They start acting like a bigger nation and they forget God. They stop being desperate because under King Solomon they had all the gold they could stand and they were wealthy. And as soon as that happened, they, for, they forget God. But God didn't forget them. God always hears the cry of of desperate people. Of desperate people. He always hears the cry. Do you hear the cry of desperate people? Do you notice them anymore? Because they're everywhere. They're in your church. They're at work. They're They're everywhere. If you know what you're looking for. My job, desperate, is pretty easy to decide to just to point out. But there's a middle class desperation. There's, there's a desperation you get when you have all your basic needs met, but you haven't met the, the longing of your heart. Maybe you're searching for something. You don't, you don't know what it is. You're desperate. And you know what? That's okay. Desperate gets stuff done. 
When we're desperate, we start worrying about what other people think. We stop worrying about labels folks will give us. And we, we just we go and do what we have to do to get what we need. And that's why James says, is there any of you that are sick? If there's any of you that, that has a need, let him come to the church and pray. I don't know. Four years ago, we went to Michigan. And uh, no more than that. David was a baby. Was it seven years ago? Eight years ago now? Mercy. I'm getting old. And my dad, as he always does when I go on vacation with, at where he's at, when I, when I go see him for vacation, I always have to preach at his church. And there was this couple that came to my dad afterward wanting to talk to me. We had pre- I forgot what I preached, probably about hope and I don't know, but she spoke to that couple. They were going through what they thought was a miscarriage, and they were desperate. And they'd been to everybody else. And she, was, she thought she was showing signs of her 12th miscarriage. 12. Couldn't get pregnant. Told us couldn't get pregnant. Desperate. So she comes to me. <laughs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do that three, three gynecologists, obstetricians, specialists, fertility specialists, what, am I, what can I do that they couldn't? Well, I, could, I had one of two choices. I could do the classic Brandon, which is I hear what they say, I give a minute for quiet reflection, like they really think that I'm actually paying attention to what they say, and then I go, well, I'll pray for you about that. And then I move on and forget it. Anybody else do that? I'm not honest. Yeah, I, I, I've done that before. Get tired, get bogged down with my own stuff and my own work things and obligations, people's problems, they kind of bounce off me. And I wasn't going to do that to this couple. I had a flight to catch the next day. It was the end of my vacation. Uh, spending 10 days with my family. So... I felt like three weeks. And I just want to get home, and I want to get out of that church, and I want to get done. And I said, yeah. So we met in a place, and I was, I was about ready to give them the old Brando brush off. And uh, this voice comes to me. It's in my heart, not in my head. I'm not hearing voices. Don't put me in the hospital with my patients. But I heard my voice, a voice in my heart, and I said, tell them it's going to be okay. I was like, okay, I can do that. So I, we pray, I said, it's going to be okay. And then we started praying. And the voice came back and said, tell them that they're going to have a baby, that they're not miscarrying, and that they're going to have a girl, and to name her Hope. And I looked and I said, God, you need to tell my dad that, because he's the one that speaks that kind of foolishness, not me. And people think I'm crazy. But I couldn't, and these folks were desperate, and I didn't want to take advantage of that. Because you can, man. If people think you're an advocate of God, and they're in a bad situation, they'll do what you say. So I just, I just, I prayed that I was listening to the right voice, and I said, this couple, you're not going to miscarry. You're going to go to the doctor tomorrow, you're going to find out you're having a girl. 
And my dad's eyes got real wide, and I thought they were going to fall on the floor. Because you don't do that. You don't tell people that kind of information, because what if it's wrong? What if you get their hopes up? These were desperate people, and all she wanted was a baby. little girl that I'm talking about is six years old now. Her name is Faith. Her parents are desperate and at a just a act of God's providence I was able to maybe give them a little bit of hope. And maybe that's all it means to be a Christian is to give hope to desperate people. Hope. Desperate people. That's what Jesus did. That's all he did. That's all he did. He gave hope to the the dying and to the sick and to the hungry. If we're not doing that, what are we doing? If we're not desperate for God, I mean, why, why, why am I here? This is just an intellectual exercise. I get a lot more fulfillment going to university and giving a lecture than giving a sermon. So if we're not desperate for God, why are we here? And if we're desperate for God, that's going to show. We're not going to care what people think about us. Maybe we'll say crazy things. Maybe we'll love people that'll hurt us. We'll pray for people that are enemies. I mean, well, do you do weird things when you're a Christian? Maybe that's, maybe that's not your hang-up. Maybe you have no issue with desperate people, and that's fine. Maybe you're one of them. One of my favorite poets says that the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're desperate over a dying relationship or you're desperate over an addiction or you're desperate over work situation or a financial situation or whatever it is. If you are, then you're in good company. Because that's all Jesus dealt with was desperate people. I, uh, I've become desperate, and I never thought I would. But when you're desperate, you'll do anything to find, to get relief. You'll do anything to get, to get better. Desperate. I've become that way. I, uh, searched, I've been searching for a way to get rid of this constant agonizing pain in my kidneys for the last 10 years. Uh... Now it's not the pain, it's the nausea. Stage four kidney failure, you get nauseated a lot. And I'm always nauseated, always low-grade nausea. And I'm desperate because I saw my mom go through this, and I saw her get to where she couldn't bathe, she couldn't go to the bathroom on her own. She had to have help doing everything, and it just scared me. Desperate. I think it's a good thing. 
And boy, I started praying more. Started fasting more. Started acting as if what I believe is actually true. And this isn't all just some sort of game. It's okay to be desperate for God. He was desperate for you. He was so desperate for you that he gave his only son so heaven wouldn't be missing anybody. That's how important you are. That's how important God is. How desperate God is for you. This week, hey Dave, when is the uh, open doors? So the next month, third Wednesday of next month is when we're doing it again? David and I want to help if we can. Yeah, buddy. I want him to see some desperate people. I want him to know that there's more to life than Nintendo Switches and, uh, and Game Boys. Desperate. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be better. I pray that you would help me to love people better. To have grace for people more. And to live as though what I believe is true. Help me to live as though I believe that you care how I treat people. Make us better, Lord. Make us more like you. Amen. I'm going to sit down now. If anybody needs prayer. I'm not an altar call person. I think altar calls, they, uh, I'm not really one. But if you want somebody to pray for you, just let me know. I'll cry with you too. Okay? Charlene's going to come and break, up, break us out of open worship and close us with a hymn. And uh, then we'll go and eat. How about uh, Kevin? Would you pray for, bless our food today after service?